Brad, we got Leslie on the line here. What do you want to ask him? Why would you partner with me if I was bringing you that deal on something that you may have already seen? You being there as another person is it's another head to do some of the work and an experienced person coming in and being a KP on there, they get a they get a piece of the deal as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and they get to benefit from the piece of the deal and get to benefit from the work that you're working. And you know, more, the multi-family space is a team sport. From my, my mentality is you never know. The person that you're helping today as a newbie is probably going to be the person that you're partnering with tomorrow to take over a 500-unit property. So it's all about building these relationships. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high yield returns through apartment complex investing. This is journal entry number 151 and part of our Ask the Experts series. Today, we bring on experienced investor Leslie Allison and aspiring investor Brad Smith. Keep listening to learn how to attract experienced partners and whether to do a 506B or 506C when you're raising money. And now, the show. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe with Four Oaks Capital. Uh, very excited for today's show. It's one of our Ask the Expert episodes. We have two amazing people on the line with us. We've got a man with a ton of experience in, in this business and other businesses, Leslie Allison, or as I like to say, Leslie Awesome. And a very motivated and energetic aspiring investor, Brad, let me say this name right, Smith. All right, Brad Smith. There we go. So first of all, you know, Leslie is the director of operations and co-founder of Excite Capital Investments. And I'll put all the bio in the show notes so you guys can all read it. But I would rather just introduce Leslie and let him tell you about himself. Leslie, welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me on your podcast and your platform. Yeah, this is this is awesome. So for, for everybody else, you know, Leslie and I have known each other for probably about two years now. Uh, Leslie did a held a um, meetup in the D.C. area that I would try to get to as often as I could. So, Leslie, great to have you on the podcast. Finally. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, hopefully things are opening back up and we could get back to uh, having some of these meetups again. Yeah, the, there, there's nothing like, you know, physical meetups. I mean, Zoom is nice. You can talk with people, you know, across the nation and th- there's nothing like face-to-face meetings. And I'm happy that, that we're at a point where we're able to actually start doing that in some areas again. Anyway, enough about that. Leslie, tell us about yourself. Tell us about a little bit about your background, your history and and what got you into apartments. Uh, well, again, Brian, thank you for having me on this platform. Um, I, I'm Leslie. Uh, my journey into apartments just started um, with uh, me asking questions. You know, it doesn't matter what background you come from or where you come from. At some point in your life, you got to make some tough financial decisions. And that was um, where I was at when I discovered uh, apartments, when I got into real estate investing. Back in um, 2008, I was a new graduate, um, just right out of nursing school, got a great job at um, one, one of the prestigious hospitals in the Maryland area. And um, that was around the time when the financial crisis happened. And um, I got to experience, I saw some healthcare providers that I was working with lose a significant portion of their retirement. Like I remember the one mm-hmm. senior nurse that I was working with getting ready for retire, for, to retire, losing about 60 to 70% of a, of a nest egg. 
And the look wow. that she had on her face, that, that look stuck with me for a very long time. And I just kept asking myself questions. If this is really it. Like, if I'm going to end up where I have this job, I work for 20, 40 years, and then I end up and something like this happens to me and happens to my money. And at that point, at work, all oh, the encourages you having a 401k and doing this. So I, I started asking questions. I wanted to seek alternative methods. And back around 2008, I learned about real estate. But then at the same time, I looked around me. A lot of people that I knew had gone into real estate with the craziness that was happening back then. Mm -hmm. And they were beginning to lose their properties. You know, so now yeah. real estate too was scary for me at that point in time. I wasn't quite sure what to do. So fast forward a few years later, after going back to school and having more degrees, which is what we had thought that if you need to make more income, more stability, you get another degree, got an advanced degree in anesthesia. Again, that same feeling came back when I was sitting at work. I'm making a good salary, but sitting mm -hmm. there and asking myself if this was it for me, it did not seem right. So at that point, um, as luck would have it, I was scrolling through my phone. I saw an article on Yahoo. It said, the author of a famous book, Rich That Poor, that has published another book for millennials that talks about managing mm -hmm. money and um, dealing with student loans. I'm like, this is exactly what I need. So I purchased the book. The name of the book is Second Chance at Your Money and Your Life by Robert Kiyosaki. I purchased mm -hmm. the book and I started reading it and it just felt like I had this, this mentor that I've been looking for was talking exactly to me. So I started following the steps that Robert listed in that book, which was uh, me encouraged investing in real estate and then going out to networking events and meeting people. And that's how I started going out to networking events, bought my first rental property in 2016, did a BRR mm -hmm. model on it. That worked tremendously well. You know, I had a good return on that. Then, so I said, this real estate thing works. So let me deep dive into it more. And as I was doing that, I met my first initial partner, Tenny Tolofari, and um, mm -hmm. we decided to partner up together to focus on real estate. And um, as we were doing research to decide what area of real estate to focus on, we came across multifamily real estate and everything about it just made sense to us. So we started Excite Capital Investment, started mm -hmm. hitting the ground running. I think that's when we started meeting Brian at the different yeah. um, networking events. Um, had a couple of failures in, in the beginning, then kept going. And then things started looking up towards uh, 2020. Uh, we had a third partner coming and things just took off from there. And uh, right now we find out our, our, ourselves in a position where we feel very grateful and blessed to be where we are, where we are acquiring properties and could be an example for other people too that have been to our situations that have jobs that are looking for better alternatives out there. So uh, yeah, yeah, you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of things that resonate with me in, in your story. I mean, it was a Robert Kiyosaki book that lit, lit the fire under me. It was, you know, rich dad, poor dad, probably a decade before you read, you read that, but it just took me a lot longer to, to get into apartments than it took you. And, and the other thing is, is just, you know, how, how volatile, you know, the stock market can be. And that's, that's something that, you know, in 2008, when the stock market crashed, my dad was getting ready to retire, you know, and, and his 401k equivalent, you know, took a gigantic hit. So, you know, it's, it's something that, that affects a lot of people. And if all you have is that nest egg in the stock market, you know, people talk about diversifying, but unfortunately, when a lot of people talk about diversifying, they're, they're talking about diversifying your stock portfolio. But man, you really need to diversify into other things like, I don't know, real estate, right? Absolutely. But uh, 
Yeah. So you, you you bought a single family home. Just just curious, where was a single family home that you bought? It was in Greenbelt, Maryland. It was actually a condo. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, real close to, to where you're at. Yes. So well, good enough. And so you met Tenny, you started Excite Capital and hit the ground running from there. So let's talk about one of the uh, one of the projects you guys have done. I know you guys have done a few of them right now. Uh, you know, pick your favorite one and, and give us kind of the rundown of, you know, how you found it and uh, how it's doing. I'll have to pick the one we just closed recently, which is uh, mm-hmm. the View at San Andreas. It's Churchill at San Andreas. We just rebranded to the View at San Andreas. This mm-hmm. is a 132 unit property, um, Class C property in kind of like a B neighborhood. And the way we found this property is um, I give a lot of credit to our director of acquisition, Stanley Tolofari, again. And um, mm-hmm. I also want to point out our other partner, Dr. Julius Oni, who is our director of our investor relations and CEO. Yep. Um, so, Tenny, when we started Brand, um, you know, both of us lived in D.C. and we were running the meetup yep. here in D.C. So doing the research to identify the markets that we wanted to go into, the Southeast seemed like the best place for us to invest in. So wanted to focus our mm-hmm. attentions in the Carolinas and Georgia. And uh, we were reaching out to brokers, talking to people, trying to build these relationships. But then we found that we were not making a lot of leadway. So Tenny decided to sell his house in Maryland move his whole mm-hmm. family to North Carolina so that we could be competitive in that market so he could start interfacing with brokers. And when he got to um, Charlotte, hit the ground running, going out meeting with brokers, having these meetings, and until finally one broker decided he was going to give us a shot. And that mm-hmm. was, again, from his efforts because um, you talk about somebody driving three hours to have a 15-minute meeting with a broker. And that yeah. really impressed the broker that somebody would take this amount of time to do that. And he was like, I'm going to give you guys a shot. And if you get this one shot, you mess it up, you know, that's it. Yeah. You know, so uh, we got this off market and it was an off market deal and uh, took it down. Everything went well. Uh, 132 units again in um, Columbia, South Carolina, a value add yeah. property. Yeah. You know, in, in St. Andrews, I, I love that area. You guys are actually on the right side of the freeway, you know, because the other side of the freeway of St. Andrews is, you know, C-class and maybe a C-minus area. Yeah. But, you know, my, my wife grew up in that area. And that's that's one of the areas that we target as well. We have we have an asset in Columbia. But yeah, when I saw that offering, you know, I started looking at it, put it on the map. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's going to be a good one. That's going to yeah. be a really, really solid play there. But, um, but yeah, congratulations on that one. So 100, you say 132, right? Yeah, 132. Nice. And, that's a nice and acquisition. A lot of kudos too to our property management company that worked mm-hmm. with us sourcing deals down there because we had a lot of deals come to us from Colombia and they kept saying, nope, nope, that's yep. like you said, it's on the wrong side of the freeway. And then yeah. this one came along and it made it hit all the, the, the pieces that we needed. So we went after it aggressively. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's, that's a, a key right there is, is having somebody with local knowledge. I mean, you, you get Tenny who's close, but you, you talk with that property manager who has, you know, one level deeper of knowledge and you really got to know those areas to be able to make sure you're getting the right asset and uh, being able to use that property manager to guide you to, yeah, not that one, not that one. Yes. This one is a, a perfect asset is, is absolutely key. And I, I think the property manager is an integral part of any team that you got that any successful team in, in multifamily. So, yeah. So that said, Leslie, got a question for you. What is your big burning? Why? What, what motivates you in this field? We got into multifamily investing. I started learning about how you could really generate wealth. And um, we started going out to conferences and meeting other people. We realized that there were not too many people in the business that look like us. 
that are from immigrant that have the immigrant background like we do. We also realize that in our medical profession, I, I have a background in healthcare. Our CEO <laughs> is a medical doctor. We realize that in the medical profession, a lot of people did not know that this asset class existed out there, that there's yeah. a, that you could actually use this as a means to grow your wealth. Most of the people that we're interacting with usually follow that traditional path of getting a job, putting money in the 401k, and hoping that the stock market keeps going up until the day you retire, right? Mm-hmm. So we saw that need, that there was a need for us because I, I could have stayed at my job and uh, make the money I make and invest in apartments and get the great returns because it's a great investment vehicle. Building this company takes a lot of hard work and effort, but we saw that there was a need for us to bring this in our community. So the why of Excite is really to create that vehicle where we could go out and teach people and let people know that this opportunity is out there and it exists for them to take advantage of it if they wanted to. And on top of that, or just to have people have that exposure to financial education. Because for me, growing up, I probably didn't know what an investor was until Mm -hmm. maybe I was uh, in teenage or almost 20 years to actually understand that somebody could actually invest in other people. Yeah. But now I can pass those knowledge over to my kids. I have two young girls and a son and my daughters sit on my Zoom calls and she knows what an investor (laughs) is. She knows what an apartment is. For me, that is the reason. why. That's, that's what gives us the energy every day to go out and yeah. keep doing this, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. There, there's a lot of things about that, that 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 I'd like to unpack. I mean, number one, you're right. You know, you go to the big conferences. There, There's not a lot of people like you. You know, and I applaud you for what you've been able to do in this field. You know, you're, you're, you're an immigrant and you're in a minority. And you go to most of the conferences and it's a lot of guys that look like me and look like Brad. You know, there, there's not a lot of minorities. There's not a lot of women. So um, for, for you to do what you've done in this this field, just just because of the way it's set, it's harder for you than it is for a guy like me. And incidentally, you mentioned you and Tenny are, are immigrants. Where, where are you from? I'm from Cameroon. Uh, my other two partners are from Nigeria. Tenny and Julius are both from okay. Nigeria. Yes. There we go. Not been in those countries. I, I've been on the other side of the, the African continent, but uh, I imagine things are a lot different there than they are here in your background. and upbringing were a lot different than we we get here so awesome great for you for for everything you've done you know i really appreciate and applaud you for your successes so that said what what is next for you so we feel like we're still in the beginning phases of our growth when we when we got into this we knew that there was a need but um it looks like we actually underestimated the amount mm-hmm. that there's been a need um being able to go out there initially when you start something like this you might have a lot of doubts from people not that I've never heard about this before. Um, but as you keep going and keep educating people now, people start to see the light and see the authenticity and the genuineness in whatever it is that you're doing. So now we're having a lot of interest of people in our community that want to mm-hmm. learn and know more about the multifamily investing. So what's next for us is to keep educating our community, keep providing the right opportunities, finding just the right opportunities that we could expose the um, members of our community to, to, so they could continue to grow their world and um, just keep growing. Real estate has been really good to me in particular and uh, my partners. So um, we continue to, to grow in the space and then give back to our community as much as we can and give back to other people that are hoping to learn um, how to invest in multifamily or build their own businesses as well. 
Yeah, love it, love it. All right. Well, we're going to do a, a slight uh, transition here, and we're going to bring Brad on the show. So, Brad Smith, welcome to the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Brian. So, same same first question for you. Tell us a little bit about your background and your history, and, and what got you into apartments. Yeah, well, I live in Minnesota, and uh, I work currently for a large general contractor in the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. It does over three quarters of a billion in revenue a year. I've been working there for 15 years. I actually started as a laborer, pulling okay. the hard grunt work. I remember jackhammering sidewalks when I was in college. It was some some brutal work. And then managed, managed to wake, make my way into being a project manager. Been doing that for mm-hmm. for quite a while. I've managed over $330 million in almost exclusively healthcare. So it's kind of funny that Leslie's on in the healthcare <laughs> industry. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, I have a wife, two kids, one three-year-old, one eight-week-old. We love to go out nice. west and ski. Uh, I hope my boys will be skiers someday. Otherwise, I'm really screwed. Um, what's What's your favorite place and, to ski? Uh, I got to ask that question. You know what? You just moved to Idaho Falls, and guess where mm-hmm. I went two years ago was uh, Jackson Hole. Okay, I love that yep. place. That's That's not too far from. I, I grew up in Salt Lake City, and I mean the license plates in Utah say "Best Snow on Earth," and I'm I'm somewhat of a ski snob. So interesting. Park so, City uh, is a great place, and it's huge. So don't get me wrong. Yeah. It is. It is. It, incidentally, um, I lived in Twin Cities for a little while and moving from Salt Lake to Twin Cities, looking around for ski resorts. I think there's one in the Twin Cities metro area and it's like 300 feet vertical drop. You know, it's 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 like the bunny hill. You, you spend more uh, time on the chairlift. Yeah. Yeah. Than you do so, on the hill. No question. Absolutely. But uh, anyway, go go ahead. Getting into real estate, I actually started back in 2009, kind of just accidentally mm-hmm. where uh, uh, my best man at my wedding uh, and I split, bought a house together and uh, we just did a live-in flip, mm-hmm. uh, sold that. And then my current wife and I bought another house and we did a live-in flip. Um, and then actually last year, we just bought our first short-term rental in the Smoky Mountains. Nice, nice. So so you got a couple of you know single-family short-term rentals. What, what drew you to apartments? So as soon as we bought that short-term rental last year, about exactly one month after we closed, I told Jordan, my business partner, that mm-hmm. we need to scale this. I mean, this this is great, right? This is this is going to be awesome. And we're already doing well on the books already. And I, I'm a visionary. So I was already like, we have to do this faster because short-term rentals just wasn't going to get us there fast enough. And uh, I said, we need to we need to do some research on apartments. So we mm-hmm. we did a bunch of research. We actually invest in a mentorship program in October, and we've been doing that ever since and trying to learn the ways of of getting into the completely different realm of apartments <laughs> apartments versus uh, short term rentals. It's right. been a great it's been a good learning experience and a very uh, interesting learning experience to get us to where we are now. Which is right, we're still very early in our our venture. Yeah. Yeah. And incidentally, for, for those listening, you know, Jordan Grigg was also a guest on this show a couple months back and got an email from him this morning and some some good news. You guys put an LOI out this morning, right? We did. We put it in and we're God, we're pumped. We, we hope it has a chance. We'll see. Yeah. Well, tell, tell us a tiny bit about the uh, the property you put the LOI in. Where is it at? How many units and, and whatnot? Yeah, so it, it's located right smack dab in the middle of the Twin Cities. It's not okay. Minneapolis proper, and it's not St. Paul proper, which we didn't necessarily want to do. It's got a fantastic location. It's two buildings, one that's multifamily, has affordable housing in it and market rate, and a senior housing building right next to it. So they're selling these together. Total, it's 175 units. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. Well, well, good luck with that one. And definitely let me know how, it, how it's going for you guys. But, so what, once again, that my, my favorite question, um, I have a lot of favorites, but the favorite question on the show is, uh, you know, what's your big burning why? You know, what, what drives you? 
So really what got me motivated to to buy that short-term rental last year was the project that I was on about three, it started three years ago for a large hospital. It was a complex project, $80 million, 54 phases, renovation and new build. Mm -hmm. And the client was a real bear, like really hard to work with. They made it very difficult to manage it on top of how difficult it was already. Mm -hmm. At the same time, my son was born and we weren't that lucky in that he decided he doesn't like to sleep. (laughs) And so I I was, I'm tired and I had a very difficult client to work with working seven to five. And it just created an atmosphere where I was just not happy for, for three years. Right. And actually at the time you're like, gosh, this really is unpleasant and I hate it. I want to quit. I want to quit. But, you know, looking back at it now, this was, this was a couple of years ago, but it really motivated me to move to the next level and say, do I really want this for my life? Kind of like what Leslie was saying is, Mm -hmm is this what it's going to be about working seven to five? You have young children, you come home and you're kind of cranky just because you just burned up all your mental ability already for the day. And then you come home and you're short with your wife, your kids. Like, I just don't want that. So I want a different life where we can create passive income and have ultimately, I guess it comes down to time, right? I want to have time with my family, time to go skiing, time with my kids and teach them kind of like what you were saying, Leslie, I just want to, I want to be able to teach them everything that I've learned so far and even more to that not necessarily working seven to five every day is not the way to go. And then have your 401k lose it in 2008, like your dad, Brian. I mean, that's, that's awful. And how many people are really stuck in something like that if it happens again, Yeah, which is, which is why this, this gets so exciting when coming into uh, this side of the investment world. Yeah. A lot lot of stuff there. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people have the same, same type of story and it's, it comes down to the things that matter to you most, you know, things that matter to you most are, are usually your family, you know, the people, your, your children, your, your spouse. And a lot of times, you know, you, you want to spend your time and your efforts with the people that matter most to you, but you know, sometimes that job gets in the way. I mean, uh, and I'm not, I'm not saying that a nine to five job is bad or anything, but uh, it's, it's necessary, you know, for, for the world to work, you know, for people to, to work in, in jobs. But when, when it takes away from that thing, that's most important for me, I think a lot of people, start looking for other things. That's what I did. That's what Leslie's doing. And, you know, Brad, that's what you're doing as well. So, you know, you know and it's funny that you guys were mentioning kind of that diversify earlier with the uh, 401ks, right? We actually mm-hmm. just pumped out an article that was, I, I did some research on like the three-legged stool. And if you Google that, you mm-hmm. pump, it pumps out the old school adage of pension, social security, and personal savings, right? Mm-hmm. And it just goes to show you how much, how much has the world changed in just 20 years where or even 30 years where the social security was created, what, 1935. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the average life expectancy then was 61. Well, look what people are making now and, and to survive on social security is just, I mean, it's just so not realistic. Right. And that's yeah. one other way, you know, diversification, it's not just paper assets, get into real estate. And that's exactly where I, I'm passionate about uh, what Leslie was saying too, is I'm, I'm passionate about hopefully helping other people get to their retirement goals so that they can have a life too. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely awesome. Well, Brad, I'm going to hand the mic over to you. And and here's my favorite part of the podcast, not my favorite question. You know, like I said, lots of favorites, but Brad, we got Leslie on the line here. What do you want to ask him? You know, my biggest thing right now is we're, we're raising money from our personal network, Leslie, and we're, we're sending out educational content through my LinkedIn. We're trying to get people uh, kind of off to our website. And we just started this about a month ago. It's been okay. And, and our target is working professionals. Um, you know, I guess for me, I'm connected with a lot of construction professionals. So that's really what we're trying to go after is people, architects, construction professionals, people like that, but we're not getting enough traction through that route. What is, what has been your best method to, uh, reaching out and raising money for what 
your company's goals are for like the healthcare industry, right? Absolutely. Uh, by the way, congrats on the LOI, and I hope you guys get that deal as well. Thank you. Yeah, so we kind of kind of had similar journeys doing the, the newsletters, reaching out and feeling like we're not getting enough traction, right? Um, but what what we realize is uh, people read, they just don't respond sometimes. And um, just just stay, stay with it. And one, one important thing is give, 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 continue to give value, right? And being identified as the apartment guy. And soon enough, some of those people that are seeing your content will start reaching back out to you <laughs> and um, asking questions. So that's what we did. For us, um, a lot of our growth came from water mouth. Our very first opportunity that we had, we had an opportunity to call GP on a deal very early on in our journey. And uh, we could not even raise $5,000. And that was not because um, we didn't have the investors. It's just because we were going out there asking people for money instead of giving people value, right? It's a different mindset when you feel like you're giving people value when you're asking somebody for something. Now, that energy, the person can feel it. So, and uh, when we had that experience, we had to go back to the drawing board and ask ourselves the same questions. And then now started educating ourselves on the, the, the philosophy of giving, right? And we went out and started giving, like giving more value. So even at work, everybody knows me as a real estate guy. People want to buy their homes, they come and ask me questions. People want this, they ask me this. So now that knowledge gets passed around. And when people get used to you giving, present another opportunity to them. Yes, they know that you're giving them something of value. So it's much easier that way than... And then once you have a proof of concept, then the word starts getting around in that community. This person starts telling that person. This person starts telling And be true to your word. Be true to your word. When you mm -hmm. say you're going to do something, always try to do it. And if you're unable to do it, just be upfront about it. And just keep going. You're going to start getting the traction. It usually doesn't come immediately, but it comes over time. Yeah, and I'll, I'll echo a lot of the things that, that Leslie said. I mean... A lot of it has to do with with your mindset. And I, I wrote a post, you know, last week about the exact thing, thing that Leslie said. You know, you, there's a difference between asking people for money and providing an opportunity for other people to invest. And if you've got the mindset that you're asking for money, you're not going to get a lot. If you've got the mindset that you've got the best deal in the world and you want to share that with others, people are going to open up their checkbooks and start writing checks. And uh you know, similar to what Leslie said, you know, I, I started making regular posts on social media and a lot of people that, you know, I've known for 8, 10, 12 years that I may not have seen in the last couple of years have crawled out of the woodworks and said, hey, I want to know more about what you're doing. So a lot of it's consistency and a lot of it's, you know, like like Leslie said, it's you are giving other people a great opportunity to invest, a great opportunity to diversify and a great opportunity to start building passive income. And that, that really resonates with people. Yeah, it translates into everything. Just uh, it translates into everything you do, the way you, the intention that you're going about it, right? If you say, no, I'm going to go ask the, the 100 people for money and see what they're going to give it. The way, even the way you communicate is going to be mm -hmm. different from when you say, I'm giving these people value. I'm giving them an opportunity. You know, you mentioned people at work know you as the real estate guy. Did that come after your first deal? And how did you do that where you became the real estate guy? Because I think there's good value in that, right? Where people know you as the real estate guy and that's that's huge, which you already have that reputation going on. And I think that's part of your brand that would go with it too. So I'm just curious what you've done to get the word out to your coworkers at work. So one of the things we did was that started to go, we started going on podcasts, 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, that gives you a ton of credibility when you have podcasts and you share it on your social media platforms and then people read and say, oh, I heard you doing this stuff. What is this? Then one person comes and asks you a question and then you talk the question. And, and um, now when you, are talk, when you are talking about, and I'm talking about multifamily, anybody around me knows I'm passionate about it because I'm usually a very quiet person at work. And then when you ask me about real estate, then that passion comes out. Then you have uh, more people coming in to listen and hear about what you're saying. You know, so they see that energy coming. But we started off going on podcasts, putting those podcasts on social media. Then people started asking questions. They would talk to them about it. We had the meetup that we do. That, that, that platform is very important, right? Um, it gives you, they invited more, a lot more people to our meetup. And on our meetups, we more we're more about giving value educating people than even trying to sell something or trying to to push people in one direction or the other and those people usually turn around and even come gravitate mm-hmm. towards you by you doing that just like what brian is doing with the podcast yeah. and all the other platforms that he's on yeah podcast linkedin you know people see that something else is i mean when, when you show up to work on monday morning it's a very common question how is your weekend just throw something real estate in there you know, hey, well, my weekend, I looked at a couple of properties, you know, or if you take a couple of days off of work, and that's what I did. I every in the last three years, almost every day I've taken off of work has had something to do with real estate. I was either driving down to South Carolina to look at properties or, you know, underwriting properties. So so when I come back after three or four days out of the office and people say, hey, how was your time off? The answer was, hey, it was awesome. I, I looked at a 104 unit property and St. Andrews, Columbia. I looked at a 72 unit in, you know, Greer, South Carolina. And, you know, I looked at a place in Spartanburg. I looked at a place in Greenville. I talked to the brokers and your, your excitement gets through and word gets around. Everybody at my office, you know, which I don't work at anymore, knew me as the real estate guy. And I had several people at the office buy me lunch just to talk about real estate. You know, it's like, Hey, I want to take you out to lunch so we can talk real estate. And, you know, slowly you get the reputation of being the real estate guy. And it's going to come if you stay consistent. Don't be discouraged if you're not getting the results that you want right now, right? It's going to come and it's going to feel like it's happening exponentially because all of a sudden it's like everybody's gravitating towards Brad. Oh, I hear Brad is doing this. Um, Then you start getting all that interest. So just stay consistent with it and it, it will come. No doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. Consistency. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the name of the game, being consistent over long term. Right. Thank you. Uh, another quick question with, with your experience now and where you're currently at, Leslie, are you raising money via uh, 506B or 506C? And then I guess why or why not? So both. Um, our last deal was 506C, um, but our probably next deal is probably going to be 506B. And uh, one of the reasons why we did 506C is because we wanted to take advantage of that uh, marketing aspect such that we could get the, the brand our brand out there to more people, even some of the people that are, that are not investing. So we have that authority to market the deal as much as possible, to reach out, because we want to reach out to more people and let them know that these opportunities are out there. Um, and the reason why we felt comfortable going with 506C as well is because most of our investor base are accredited investors. Um, because of mm-hmm. the, the the avatar that we target, um, but we do have members of our community. Like well, I had a lot of people that reached out to us that could not invest on our last deal because it was five or six C, and uh, we're looking forward to do a five or six uh, B deal um, on our next acquisition so that we could bring some of these people on board too as well and give them an opportunity to grow their wealth. 
Yeah. Yeah. We, we do 506 B's exclusively. We haven't jumped into C's yet. And I mean, if you look at our investor profile, you know, two thirds of the people who invested with us are accredited, but we, for, for the, for the time being are stick with 506 B's because you know, there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, we want to help that aren't accredited yet, you know, and that's, that's part of our avatar. And that's part of, and just like, just like Leslie said, I mean, they're going back to the 506 B because a lot of people that wanted to invest couldn't, you know, and now they're, they're opening it back up. So there's pros and cons to both. I mean, you have to keep the 506 B quiet, you know, so to speak versus 506 C, but you know, you can, you can allow more people to invest. Absolutely. He could help more people with a 506B for sure. It's it's not a bad idea. As, as long as you've been doing the pre-work before the deal comes, then um, it shouldn't be a problem with you raising the money for it. So as you know, we well, we threw in our first LOI, but we're working on finding that first deal. And obviously for us, we feel it's really important to team up with somebody that's experienced when we, when we get into our first building, just because you know, you learn a lot about in these programs how to how to underwrite, how to purchase, and how to get to the point of closing. But then after that, you know, you really don't know how to operate a building, right? So we're we're focusing on trying to find that key partner. And we did with this last LI when Matt Bronner, Brian, who you interviewed not long ago. Yeah. And we feel really strong with him. And luckily we somehow convinced him to uh partner with us. <laughs> but so that kind of is my question is when you come up with a joint venture with somebody, because you let's say you're taking out a larger deal. As a newer investor, what would you look for out of them to bring to the deal in that partnership? Mm. Um, that's a good question. Um, so it, it, it depends on uh, what your needs are, right? You got to identify what your strengths are. It doesn't matter if you're new, or, but you got to identify what you're strong. When it comes to the business as a whole, what your strong, strong suits are, and what you're weak at. Then you find somebody that is going to fill out those areas that you're weak at that cannot be copied by uh, that cannot be covered by other members of the team like a property manager, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So when you identify that, then you can bring somebody on board to come in and because it will not make any sense for you to bring an experienced operator that is strong in the same areas that you're strong at and that is weak in areas yeah. that you're weak at. So you want to you want to supplement the skills that you're weak at, and then obviously you want to find somebody that your values align. You know, and you guys are looking at this at the same way. For some people, buying apartment complexes is just to go there and to squeeze as much money out of the tenants as much as possible and then exit out. Um, well, uh, some people might have that kind of a slumlord mentality. Others don't. You know, so you got to figure out exactly what, what your vision is, what your ideas are. You know, I know like Brian and the folks guys, they do an amazing job in some of the properties that they go and even uplifting some of the properties, not necessarily for the income base. You know, that is the yeah. that is a great mindset. You know, um, that's the kind of mindset we have too. So if you have that kind of a mindset, then you want to align yourself with somebody like Brian. If you, on the other hand, is somebody that doesn't think that, oh, this property, I'm not going to renovate anything unless it brings me money, then that might not be the right mindset that you're working in. And you guys might butt heads when you start going into the asset management yeah. phase. Yeah, you know, I'll... I mean, I don't have much to add. I mean, I think Leslie's answer was was great, but the, the one thing that I would focus on is is where you want to get. You know, so we we had to partner with somebody on our first two properties to be able to get the loans. I mean, that's just how the 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 world works right now in in multifamily, is you have to have somebody with experience on that loan. And you know, we wanted to to operate. We wanted to gain the experience of operating. We wanted to to be able to 
you know, build our name and our brand. And so what we were looking for was somebody who could serve as a strategic advisor more than anything else. You know, there, there's four of us. In, I mean, there's four of us that founded Forks Capital. We got five partners now, but there's four of us that founded it. And our abilities and our personalities and our, our skill sets covered down on everything we needed. We just didn't have the experience. So, you know, what we were looking for more than anything else was somebody who could be that strategic advisor, somebody that could, you know, hop on the phone with us once a month and fill in the gap, the, the, the little gaps that we had. So, you know, some people are looking for somebody to play a more active role. We were looking for more of a strategic advisor. So, you know, look at your goals, look at where you're, where you want to get. And I mean, Les, Leslie already said that, but just had to throw my two cents in, but uh, great answer, Leslie. Great question, Brad, too. So, and uh, looking at time, we got, we got time for another question. What do you, what do you got, Brad? Okay, let's say it was an on-market deal. You saw it, but you passed on it, and I brought it to you. What what value would I bring to you by doing that during the due diligence and the period? Like, um, I'm saying that wrong, I guess, but I'm I'm trying to see figure out if what I can bring to you. Why would I be able to? Why would you partner with me if I was bringing you that deal on something that you may have already seen? Well, um, you being there as another person is it's another head there to do the work to do some of the work uh, away and um, me come let's say an experienced person coming in and being a KP on there they get a they get a piece of the deal as well mm-hmm. you know and they get to benefit from the piece of the deal and get to benefit from the work that you're working and you know the multi-family space is a team sport from my my mentality is you never know. The person that you're helping today as a newbie is probably going to be the person that you're partnering with tomorrow to take over a 500-unit property. So it's all about building these relationships, right? Sometimes people would do it. You bring in tremendous amount of value by going and finding the deal, underwriting, making sure everything works, then doing all that work in the, in the first place and presenting it to somebody else. And if that deal makes sense for them and their vision as well, then they're going to join you on board. If it doesn't, then there's there's, there's, there's step aside. For somebody else, so you you are bringing tremendous amount of value by do by presenting a deal to somebody else for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And part of your question that you asked is if, if it's something we've seen before. I would say it depends on why we passed on it. You know, we we have a certain we we want we want to get you know a certain unit count. If we're looking at the hundred plus properties and you bring a deal to us that's a forty, that's still a good deal. It may not meet our criteria, but your criteria is going to be different than ours. And when we're partnering with somebody else, you know, if we come in as a key principal, our, our criteria is going to be a little lower because we're not we're not putting it out to our investor base, right? So my criteria and and Four Oaks criteria for for partnering is we got to like the deal and we got to like the team, okay? And that that's really what it is. If if we like the deal and we like the team, we will partner. We'll come in as KPs, and that that also means signing on the loan and putting our reputation on the line. You know, that's why we have to. You know, we're going to bet the team. We're going to bet the partner. And like, like Leslie said, you know, in order for it to work, you know, we are going to get a percentage ownership in that asset. So there is a benefit for us. You know, as long as we, like I said, we like the deal, we like the team. There is a financial benefit for us to to come in and do that. So yeah, end of the day, you know, like the deal, like the team, and you know, if those things align, we'd be happy to partner. With, with people. And the benefit you bring, like I've said, and like Leslie said, is we get a piece of the pie. So I, I, I got to start being more likable. That's my problem. I see. <laughs> <laughs> now that's, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Cause I think I needed yeah. to hear something like that on why, why you guys would even consider working with somebody who doesn't have that experience. And that was important. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. 
So, and everybody had to do it. I mean, that's, that's just the nature of the game. We had to, yeah, I I was in the same coaching program. You were, I mean, three years ago, I I started the same coaching program you're in. And it was one of the coaches in that coaching program that came in as KPNR deal. So it's a circle is, is how it works. You know, like, you know, the Lion King circle of life, you know, at one point you're, you're, you're the student and then you end up being, you know, the teacher at some point. So anyway. Well, we're about out of time. So I'm going to ask one last question for each of you. Um, Leslie, you get to go first. What's the best way our listeners can learn more about you? All right. The the best way is to um, reach out, um, visit our website, which is um, mm-hmm. www.x as in xylophone, s as in Sam, s, um, uh, I-T-E, that's X-S-I-T-E, capital.com. Mm-hmm. Um, visit our website and you can reach out to me via email as well or um, mm-hmm. drop a note on our website. All right. And I'll, I'll put the uh, that information in the show notes, Excite Capital and email address. So if you're interested in, in reaching out to Leslie, just hit the show notes, you know, tap and go. Brad, same question for you. How can listeners learn more about you? Yeah, we've got a pretty good website built so far, I think, where we've got some good content on there. Um, and, you know, we talked about 401ks on here. We actually have some uh, of the pitfalls of a 401k on our website too. So if people are interested, head over to liftbridgecap.com. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn over there. And then you can always email me at brad at liftbridgecap.com. All right. And we'll put that information in the show notes as well. So, you know, anybody listening, encourage you to reach out to these guys. Um, you know, it's always, always good to uh, um, hear somebody who's, who's heard you on a podcast and, and wants to learn more. So, um, thanks so much to the two of you for coming on the show today. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Brad. And um, yeah. Brad, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Leslie. Nice meeting you too. Thank you for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show, so pull out your phone, tap subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week.